I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Film Chat. On this episode, respected police detective Sam Foster is forced to impersonate an elderly obese southern black woman in order to find the whereabouts of her estranged granddaughter's convict ex-boyfriend, me, Danny Moran, who has recently escaped from jail. During the course of his assignment, Sam bonds with my 10-year-old son Trent, teaches the local church group self-defense, and wards off the advancements of a lecherous old man called Ben Rawley. Oh, wait a second. No, what I've done there is confused us with the characters from the Martin Lawrence film Big Mama's House. This is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and joining me is the show's sassy matriarch, Sam Foster. Hey, this time on Film Chat, we check out Asif Kapadia's moving documentary, Amy, an intimate portrait of Amy Winehouse, and Alan Taylor's even more moving documentary, Terminator Genesis, a confusing film about robots and stuff. Plus, all the hottest film news as both Spider-Man's aunt and Han Solo look set to return to cinemas in younger and maybe sexier forms, and our suggestions for the worst possible double bills. If we have time, I'll also be reading my dramatic adaptation of US Supreme Court Justice Anthony in Scalia's dissenting opinion in the court's recent legalisation of gay marriage, which I'll be performing as a dialogue between a cranky Italian man and his flamboyant young nephew. Okay, let's get going. Let's hurry things up because I really want to fit that in. We got a message this week from our good friend Dan Knoll. We recently met up with Dan and a couple of other choice friends of ours, and we watched an exciting double bill. We watched. We had a bad Roth film night. Roth along. Yeah. <laughs> um, we watched United Passions and Grace of Monaco. Both superb. Absolutely must. I have to say that his performances really lifted those films from being terrible to actually great. <laughs> actually, I think amazing. The, the critical, the critical consensus on those is that it's totally wrong due to due to Tim Roth. I uh, couldn't be picking up the check more. He's picking up stuff and during the film, 
And yeah. at the end, he picks up the check. That's, yeah, he loves to pick things up. He picks things Prop up and moves them around. Yeah. There's a bit in Grace of Monaco where he just walks around a room, picks up a dog, he puts it down, he picks up a cigarette, he smokes up a little bit. He's just <laughs> constantly pacing back and forth. Acting is just picking stuff up. Yeah, he's a great actor. So, uh, Dan writes, um, presumably inspired by that night, Film Chat, what is the worst movie double bill you can possibly conceive? By that I mean films which are the polar opposite in tone and style, but are connected in some way by similar themes or titles. For example, War Games, John Badham's film where cheeky Ferris Bueller accidentally hacks into a government military system, and The War Game, Peter Watkins' controversial, genre-bending fictional documentary depicting devastating, realistic scenarios of a nuclear bomb hitting Britain. Or more simply, Crash 2004 and Crash 1996. For those who aren't aware, the former film is about uh, racial tensions in modern America, and the latter film is about people getting off on car crashes. Bonus points for films released in the same year. No, I didn't, well, I didn't yeah, go didn't, for that. Me neither. No bonus points for us. No bonus points for us. So I was thinking we could watch Monster, the film about the prostitute turned serial killer, Eileen mm-hmm. Warners, and then Monsters, Inc., the yeah. animation about cute uh, monsters being scared of a little toddler girl. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good, right? Yeah. Um, I was going to suggest we watch Hotel Rwanda, about the Rwanda <laughs> genocide, and then we watch Hotel for Dogs, which is <laughs> about a hotel for dogs. Maybe we should watch Deep Throat and Deep Impact. One's a, one's a notorious porn film where the star was effectively raped, and uh, the other one's about a massive asteroid hitting Earth. That sounds like... <laughs> uh, these all sound like quite good fun, so it doesn't mean... <laughs> What about Fools Rush In, the... Um, <laughs> the Chandler movie. <laughs> the rom-com with Salma Hayek and, uh, yeah, whoever uh, Matthew, it is, Matthew, Matthew Perry. Perry. Yeah. Um, and then we'll watch Where Angels Fear to Tread, the um, 90s adaptation of the E.M. Forster novel, which are nothing alike, <laughs> but together it's a quote from Alexander Pope. So... <laughs> <laughs> If you put the titles Fools together, Russian, where angels, angels fear to tread. tread. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's both taken from the same Alexander Pope quote. I think we should watch uh, Boys in the Hood, and then Boyhood. <laughs> yeah, but, but that, that would be that actually, might actually be, quite be quite good. good yeah, it might be good. Yeah, yeah. How about this? Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, um, which is obviously about Chiwetel for suffering uh, twelve years as a slave in the American South. Um, and then we watch Cheaper by the Dozen, which is about <laughs> Steve Martin looking after 12 kids. It's like 12 kids instead of 12 years. Yeah, but how about this? Okay, so we watch uh, Night and Fog, the Anna Renee film about the Holocaust, and then Night and Day, the Tom Cruise <laughs> and Karen Diaz action romp. That's good. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Okay, and after that, <laughs> how about we watch Shaun the Sheep, uh, about the little uh, sheep and his adventures. Yeah. And then we watch Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> about a big guy and his adventures like he's a big swords man fancy sword man let's watch 127 hours and then 120 days of Sodom wow and then I don't know another <laughs> and then, and then another we'll probably film. want to go into the desert and trap ourselves under a rock and, and then, have and anal then. sex <laughs> that's how <laughs> films work <laughs> finally my final suggestion for um, what a mystery that would be too, when they find her bodies what the hell happened there Two guys are dressed in a boulder. It's a twisted reenactment of the two classic films. They just turned to sort of me, like, instantly, and sort of, like, lost the time for comfort. Well, 60 days in, you're like, I'm not really convinced, but then 120 (laughs) days, you're like, actually, this seems like a good sex act. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to die maybe, you know, in seconds. Yeah. I've never been fucked in the ass by a guy. 
what have I got to lose? Right, Keep it the exactly. greatest thing, and like, you know, never tried it. Yeah, I mean, I think that if his character in 127 <laughs> Hours had had another guy there, he probably would have done that, just to pass the time. That's a long. He's got to be. He's there for several days. Yeah, I think like before you cut your own arm off, you're like, I want to feel something else, <laughs> or afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> originally he cut off the arm, <laughs> had brief anal sex with his friend, then when he got help, he's like, "Is this the order we should be doing this?" Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't Wait, worry about you're it. like, I don't want this to be the only memory from my day. I don't want the arm cutting to be the worst thing I do today. <laughs> yeah. My final suggestion for a really bad double bill is Pink Flamingos followed by American Pie The Wedding because then you're watching two films in a row where someone eats a shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't want to see that again. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Thanks awesome. a lot, Dan. That was fun. Thanks, Dan. Why don't you, listeners, why don't you send us in your own suggestions? Yeah, right. I can't but notice an, un- an unfortunate habit of our listeners to totally ignore every time we ask them to do something. I mean, do you exist, listeners? Are, are you out there? Where's James, by the way? Have you seen James recently? James, James, James? Are, you, are you okay? You are right. Are you okay, James? <laughs> it's like a sort of... Dream- are you punishing us? <laughs> it's like a sort of Joyce Vincent dreams of a life sort of situation where, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's somewhere in a room dying, like, no one's what to check. I think, well, it could be. Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Not Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tips, Matt Damon's in a viral vid. So I love talking about Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Every new bit of Spider-Man news is great. He makes a weekly appearance on the podcast. Pretty yeah. Much. Is this? Can you hear this? Yeah. Really? <laughs> hey guys, I thought I would introduce a bit of the sound of me rubbing my beard to the podcast. Okay, yeah, we love talking about Spider-Man. He's always on the podcast. He's a great guy. Uh, latest bit of news is that uh, Marisa Tomei may be on May. Wow. Which is fun to say. Yeah. I'm just rhyming now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, following on the news that they've got this super young Spider-Man, I guess they've had to... They've got to... Aunt May's got to be younger. Yeah. Because I guess if you have, like... I can't remember. Who's the actress who plays Aunt May in the Tobey Maguire ones? Uh, some old lady. I don't know. Some old... Some old some beautiful old, old lady. And then and then after that it was who? S- Sally Fields. Sally Fields. And now even younger than Sally Fields. Um, Marissa Tomei. She's 50. 51. The thing is, she looks amazing for 50. Yeah. I remember reading this review. I'd be like, there's no way you are old enough to have a sister who's had a child (laughs) or or a brother who's had a child. Come on. uh, Reading the review of The Wrestler, which is a bit superficial, but uh, true, where like she's supposed to be like a sort of past it stripper, but she like looks incredible. She's like 45 when she made that film. It's like, you look amazing, Rosa Tomei. Like, she's supposed to be like sort of like, you know, mom, single mom stripper, you know. Well, she certainly looks. I mean, on like Mickey Rourke, when you watch him as a wrestler, and you're like, "This guy is definitely on the verge of crashing out," you know. <laughs> yeah. He's, but you watch Mr. Tomei as a stripper, and it's like she seems to be in the absolute prime of her stripping years. <laughs> she got another like ten, twenty years of stripping left. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, well, she's a good actress. Uh, so they haven't announced Uncle Ben. So do you reckon he's already dead? Yeah, maybe. Incarnation. Well, in um, Civil War. Spider-Man is appearing, right? He's yeah. a, so he must be fully fledged Spider-Man. Either. It's not yeah. going to be sort of spunky Peter Parker. Or maybe Uncle Ben dies in the Civil War. Brilliant idea. Maybe uh, one of the many characters, like one of the eight million other characters in that film, could kill Uncle Ben just like in passing. You maybe know? Captain America throws his shield at Tony Stark. It rebounds off, just like hits Uncle Ben. In the it just face. hits this old guy in the head, <laughs> and then like Peter Parker runs up to him. He's like, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, fuck, <laughs> fuck. 
fuck. Yeah, it's a 12 I forget. He gets to say one fuck. Fuck! Yeah, he gets to say one fuck, and he says it in Civil War, and then he says it again in his own movie. Yeah. 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 That's, so, a cle- that's a clever idea. I think they should go, they should go for that. But that's still, that's still mean that, you know, Uncle Ben had to be cast, but I guess that's a be like a 50-year-old dude, right? Who, well, maybe it should be Mickey Rourke. I know, but he's been an Iron Man too already. Who's a 50-year-old man? Oh, wait, Go. maybe. How about this? How about, um, or have they already announced his character? Martin Freeman? Yeah, maybe Martin Freeman. Is he Uncle Ben? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all in favour of it. I'm all in favour of um, bringing in the incredibly attractive... I don't think we've discussed enough how much we both fancy Mrs. T- Marissa Tomei. Yeah, so. she's going to be a... Beautiful, an, erotically uh, an attractive... Eif, an elf... I'm tied like an elf AI LF. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm, an aunt, an aunt I'd like to friend on Facebook. <laughs> AILFF. <laughs> I feel like our, our feminist leanings have gone out of the window. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. There's nothing anti-feminist about going on and on about how we want to bone Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Just going on and on about it. So <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Um, if you've been getting all of your Star Wars news from Film Chat, which you probably have, <laughs> you'll know that um, they have a bunch of films in the works. They're making Star Wars The Force Awakens. They've also got their, what they're calling the Star Wars anthology films, which is just kind of spin-offs, um, yeah. which are an attempt to... They're probably thinking, we only can only make one Star Wars episode a year, and they can't yeah. make... You know, that's just ridiculous. I think I mean more... They make like three games it. a year. Why can't we make three films a year? Yeah. So um, they got some anthology things in the way. One of them is Rogue One, which is being made by who? Gareth Edwards yeah. of Godzilla fame. And they've announced another one. Han Solo is getting his own prequel film in 2018. And uh, exciting director choice. It'll be directed by Chris Miller and Phil Lord, who are known as um, they made Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the Lego Movie and 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. <laughs> And they have basically only made great films so far. Yeah. So we've got pretty high hopes. They haven't done anything like uh, as like the sort of action adventure. Like the Lego movie kind of is, but it's very silly. I mean... Yeah. I mean, they're... I don't know, like... Uh, it's better than just some like, random guy, but... I have no idea. I just sort of have general faith in them. Yeah, they yeah, seem yeah. very smart. You know, they've tackled... I think just based on the fact that the way they've tackled the material that they've worked on so far has been very clever. Like, they're all very clever adaptations. And they obviously, you know... Yeah. But they, I think they understand that, a yeah. good story. And But their um, previous four films are all of a similar, like, mad tone. Hmm. So it'd be interesting to see them do something, like, a bit more... Are they going to go really heavy on the crazy aliens? <laughs> Maybe. It'll be just totally mad. Just be like, they're just set in the cantina band, like, just the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. They can I... have Tegan and Sarah coming up with another song, a different one. So, um, that's kind of interesting. This is what they said about it, if you're curious to know. I am. This is the first film we've worked on that seems like a good idea to begin with. <laughs> Interesting comment from them. We promise to take risks, to give the audience a fresh experience, and we pledge ourselves to be faithful stewards of these characters who mean so much to us. This is a dream come true for us, and not the kind of dream where you're late for work and all your clothes are made of pudding, but the kind of dream where you get to make a film with some of the greatest characters ever in a film franchise you've loved since before you can remember having dreams at all. Wow. Danny, who do you think would make a good young Han Solo other than the obvious best choice, which is Sheila Berth? Um, the guy who played Samuel Tarly from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that's his name. The sort of morbidly obese, like, he's, rubbish one. <laughs> he's, a, he's like, fat and rubbish. Yeah. He's absolutely rubbish. I think he's got the same kind of charisma, though, as a young Harrison Ford. 
I think he'd be great. Yeah, I think he he'd be perfect. You know, they take yeah, he's still going to take risks, right? I mean, <laughs> it's the biggest risk of them all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know. You know, that's like an impossible question. Maybe um, Jai Courtney from Terminator Genesis. Oh God. <laughs> I think everyone's like saying Chris Pratt because. He's worked with them before in the Lego movie, and he's just oh, sort of yeah, like... Oh, yeah, of course. And they, he basically, they want to make him into Harrison Ford. He's just doing Harrison Ford karaoke. That's his, his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, I don't he know. He just hit the gym until he could become Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, he needs to, like, scar up his face a bit. Like, uh, yeah, maybe get a little bit less, yeah. like, a little bit less gym. Maybe a bit more rugged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like yeah. you build a house with your bare hands. That kind of gym fit. <laughs> no, no, no. What? What do you mean? Oh, you mean, I mean like, less like, like polish, less like men's exactly, health cover. You know, more like I've actually done some work out in the actual world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I built a table. But then Harrison Ford, he doesn't look like he's you know going to kill you just by sort of flicking you with his little finger, does he? I mean, he's not. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Like a super so muscly cool. dude. Got some uh, news related to Rogue One, the other anthology film. I don't know what it is. I'm just reading from this piece of paper <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is from Devin Faraci at Birth Movies Death, which is what they renamed Badass Digest, presumably because they thought that that was a stupid name and made them sound like a totally unserious site. Devin says, I ran into a good source this past weekend and over drinks was told a nugget that should make people pretty intrigued. Darth Vader will be in Star Wars Anthology Rogue One. He will not be the main antagonist, but he will be working behind the scenes, pulling strings, and he will appear on screen. Literally, I'm told, he'll be showing up via view screen or hollow projection or something. Wow. 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 Oh, my God. That is... I mean, maybe what they want is for people's... Like, the last thing that Darth Vader did in the whole franchise to not be just going... Like he does at the end of um, episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which is a really lame thing for him to be doing. (laughs) No! Yeah, it's a bit of a shit ending. They just want to put him in a hollow projection doing something really cool, so that kind of have been you know, the most recent thing we saw him I guess do. So. I guess it makes sense. He'd be knocking around the same sort of time, right? Cause yeah, because it's all about them... Uh, 3.5, right? The yeah. Timeline. Isn't it all about them stealing the blueprints that they show to Luke Skywalker about the Death Star or something like that? Yeah. Do you reckon they'll pass Han Solo, like, in the air or something? Like, you know, the, the ship's passing in the night. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll just be waving from the window. Oh, do you reckon Han Solo will be doing the, the, uh, the castle run? The prequel, yeah, he's like he's trying to beat his lifetime best of thirteen parsecs. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, 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 Star Wars. I love Star Star Wars. Wars. Yay! And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Amy is the documentary about Amy Winehouse. You've probably all seen the trailers for. It is directed by. Asif Kapadia, who I think that's pronouncing his name, who previously made Senna, which was excellent. Very good. Very yeah, good. Like Senna a lot. And uh, the film is basically just a documentary about Amy Winehouse, and it comprises of 
all this archive footage which has like been pulled from home videos mobile phones uh tv shows backstage stuff it's kind of impressive you feel like uh the editors should be the first credit because the amount of footage they've collated is kind of amazing and the style is similar to Senna in that he conducted a series of interviews with everybody who was close to Amy Winehouse and then their voiceover is laden over all the images. Yeah. It's just uh, really, really good. End of review. No, it's, uh, it's basically like Amy Winehouse is a really interesting, compelling and ultimately sort of tragic figure and the movie does her justice. So it kind of succeeds just by giving an honest portrayal of her. I was I was reading a bit about this movie and a lot of people were saying like it's really surprising you're constantly surprised all the time it's all the stuff I didn't expect to learn about Amy like, did you find that I didn't really know that much about her going in she was just like that sort of person who was occasionally on talk shows and always like in the tabloids yeah uh, and I knew some of her songs but I didn't really have a particularly strong opinion of her either way it was all kind of new information really but yeah it's really excellent there's something uh, what's good about it there's something a bit unreal about her as a person like she looked like something of a cartoon with a like, massive bee hive haircut yeah and her, even her physical appearance was like slightly uh, larger than life and uh, her music is really different to what was out but also kind of timeless so she's got slightly this sort of like uh, old soul making very uh, relevant contemporary music but singing it in a style that was popular 50 years previously yeah and uh, there's something um, almost like tragically cliched about like her story. It's like, you know, she's like this talented person who falls in love with this guy who's uh, no good for her, spirals into addiction and then passes away at the age of 27. And yeah. it's a bit like that is feels like just a very cliche story of every talented rock star and the fact that she died at 27 but it's like the 27 club as well yeah, it's like, like an extra layer. And, yeah, yeah and Jim Morrison and um shit who's the other one Kurt, Kurt Cobain oh yeah yeah but like what's uh kind of interesting about her is that she unlike those people she's lived in the time of like social media and paparazzi so it's all documented yeah and what's so good about the movie is that like, it tackles that sort of aspect of how she just became a slightly unreal figure to the point where like, the way she was treated in the media is kind of like very hard to watch, especially because you, you see it as like, this kind of damaged, very vulnerable woman just being hounded and it's, it's, it makes for like, really uncomfortable viewing. Yeah. But it, like, it tackles how, I don't know how to put it, like how uh, it's like, it's not, she's not like a real person, you know? Like it's just became a caricature in the press. Yeah, yeah. And so it allowed people just to sort of see her that way. Right. But at the same time, you never lose sight of the fact that it's like a real person. And what's, what's good about the technique of the voiceovers is that she's always on screen. And so it doesn't become like a hagiography of like people's testimonies. And because she's so brutally honest in like her music and all her interviews, you get a real sense of the person. Yeah. So it doesn't turn into a sort of Channel 4, like 100 greatest Amy Winehouse moments <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. I mean, it's like, it, it, it gets like darker as it goes on. But it's like a lot of funny moments. There's a bit where like an interview where this woman is talking to her about Dido. And she clearly like hates Dido. <laughs> and like, it is like, it just cannot mask her contempt. Like, she says nothing. But like, her reaction is priceless. Yeah, but there's also a very interesting and telling way the film is constructed in that it starts with all this like amazing home video footage when she's like really young, and as the movie progresses, that stuff slips away as she becomes more and more insulated in this like tight knit group of like bodyguards and dad who's quite amoral. Uh, all their friends are sort of like she forgets about them, and it becomes all just paparazzi footage and TV 
coverage and award ceremony coverage and it's like her relationship with the camera has become more and more isolated from these intimate like you know personal yeah moments. yeah like the That's, public image takes over yeah precisely i watched this movie today it was, it was a bit of a weird experience i watched like the 12 o'clock screening with me and like this one other guy <laughs> and it's this really sort of heavy movie and i sort of left and it's like like oh my god and then like it's this beautiful summer's day and i'm just sort of like well just walk home now <laughs> Think about the uh, the trials and errors of drugs. There's been a bit of controversy because Mitch Winehouse, the, her dad, has come out against the film. Yeah, I was about I was about to say like, does he come across badly in the film? Yeah, very much so. And he's like, um, so he watched the film. He was like, I'm a dick. <laughs> yeah, this well, film, like, this film's terrible. Well, he wanted to make a film for like a while. The, the wonderful dodgy things about him, I think, is like he instantly like the like made his daughter into a martyr. I don't know. He's sort of really capitalizing on his daughter's talent even in death yeah yeah as well. and like um he approached asif kapadia about it because he saw senna now so it was his idea to get asif yeah. kapadia to make the film right. and now he's says like he's gonna make he's gonna develop his own film that sets the story straight because he thinks this film is so uh been edited so, so he's gonna call it winehouse <laughs> yeah or something yeah he tweeted this weekend like all Amy's friends who are excluded from the film will have their say they won't be edited Capado you are a disgrace wow but there's scenes in the movie like where she is really like in a bad place and she's like in St. Lucia sort of trying to dry out though she's given up the drugs but she's still like boozing really heavily and he sort of turns off a camera crew because he's making a documentary called uh, my daughter Amy Winehouse right. it's like what are you doing yeah even the title is a bit icky isn't it yeah and also um, Blake Civil Fielder who was her husband who's just like this horrible junky scumbag like leeching off her he like has come out against the film and so it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> obviously so it's kind of nice that she the, this documentary set the record straight even though they're like the dad is like the governing force behind it like Capadio has like got some enough integrity to sort of um, yeah put her at like the front and also like, she she comes off well in the movie right like yeah like it like really highlights her songwriting ability and it's uh it's almost like transparent how like all her lyrics are about her relationships and it's almost like we, you know you could have just looked at the lyric sheets for her album and you wouldn't have seen the documentary right but it like really highlights like uh what she was going through yeah it's just like really really sad because she was really talented and uh yeah it's like it's like this sort of cliche that like the light that burns brightest burns yeah. quickest or whatever you know she did everything nothing by halves and uh yeah it's kind of like awful like decisions were made for her and stuff and i don't know like how much of it you can blame other people like, like the movie does a good job of saying you know she's just this person like with a self-destructive streak but at the same time there's like these really negative influences in her life so it's really engrossing it's really uh like moving uh don't watch it like 12 on a thursday um <laughs> what day of the week is best to see it um i don't know i don't know a wednesday like a sad wednesday a sad wednesday a mournful melancholy wednesday i don't know you're like you'll watch it and then you, you won't listen to her songs in the same way afterwards it's like it really sticks with you i feel like you know in a month i'll still be thinking about this movie so well it's high praise it's high praise indeed Talking about moving films that will stay with you for a long time. Yeah, I have to say that 
I saw Terminator Genesis with you, Danny, a couple of days ago, and that movie really will stay with me. And it was powerful. It was a powerful experience in the cinema. Ugh. I, I remember us clinging to each other as the credits rolled, just tears streaming down our faces. And I said, I'll never bawling. be able to watch this film for the first time again. <laughs> Yeah, I which is true. I couldn't even hear. <laughs> I couldn't even hear the end credits music because of the cries of. Um, <laughs> you can't be even asked the emotion that were coming coming out of my mouth. So Terminator Genesis, I would attempt to explain the plot, although I'm not yeah, sure. By all means, go go go. It's, it's both difficult and futile. And possibly not worth it, you know? So in this one, we it's a kind of a remake slash reboot slash sequel to the first two Terminator films. And in the first part, you kind of see the future, which is referenced in Terminators 1 and 2, where the human rebels are fighting Skynet, evil Skynet. And then we flash back to 1984 for the setting of the first Terminator film. And it's sort of covering the same kind of ground, but it's different this time. The past has changed. Um, and then it, the bunch of stuff from Terminator 2 is sort of <laughs> thrown in there for some reason. And then it moves forwards to the near present day, just a couple of years in the future, and they have to stop Skynet as as well. Um, but Skynet is called Genesis now. I mean, I don't know why they just call Skynet the same, but <laughs> it's called it's called Genesis instead. And, and it's, it's like a super cool it's cool app. All yeah. the kids want it's it, Stormbreaker. Yeah. So in the original Terminator, Skynet is uh, is what it's just a computer program. It's a military computer. Oh, program, it's a military computer. And then they, it goes rogue and it yeah. fries missiles everywhere. So it's like the um, the origins of the internet, right? That yeah. was that was a military program to begin with, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. the ARPANET. But yeah. instead, it was Skynet. So this time, it's the same. It's like an app on your phone that yeah. links. It's just they don't really explain what it does, but it links everything. You're all seamlessly linked. It's a bit yeah. like a Google Nest, I guess. Everything in your house is linked together. Yeah. Plus, it's linked to nuclear missiles as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's so yeah. So that's it. And uh, it got pretty bad reception, and it's been a bit of a flop. Yeah. Which like when movies come out and they like no matter how bad the film is really, if a movie comes out and it costs you know, however many hundreds of millions to make and it's a flop, I always feel a bit bad. You know, just like a lot of people even if they're crappy, people work really hard on them and they pour so much time into them, it just seems like a shame. Yeah. When it turns out it's a disaster. And there's aspects of this film which have obviously been made with care and they were trying to do interesting stuff. So in a you know, in a way, I'm kind of uh, wish it had done a little better, but it wouldn't describe it as a good film. Yeah, certainly not. I it's, some, a, it's a this, total mess. This uh, movie reminded me a lot of Jurassic World. Yeah, and like a, yeah, yeah, another definitely. cynical movie and similar to Jurassic. It's another film with like we uh, what's what are, what else are we got kicking around here that yeah. we can make some money off? Got to make one of these. Similar to Jurassic Park, the first Terminator movie had a few limited ideas. It used up, and the the sequel is essentially a remake, but they had a cool villain. They had a badass heroine, and they flipped the Terminator good guy thing, and that was enough new elements to like see it over the finishing line. Yeah. And the third movie tried just remade it again, and was terrible. And the fourth movie tried to make it in the future, and that was terrible. And so, in a way, there's I don't think you could really make a good sequel 
out of uh, Terminator movie now. But having said that, this film is still terrible. Like, yeah, it's still like it's a the worst version of a bad film to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say the worst. I wouldn't uh, say the worst, but uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it, it's it's a similar to Jurassic World in that it's kind of sunk by fan service in a way, and that they want to try to redo the things that they did before. But it's <laughs> I always just... think it's um. It's like the first movie was like a machine they built and then they like burned the blueprints and so they have to reverse engineer. They we need to build build us again, but they've just got all the parts. We have no idea how it goes together. Yeah. So it's like it's gotta have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, so they've contrived old Arnie to be in it for reasons they don't explain in the movie. They will explain the sequels presumably. The the fact that time travel is built into this franchise and that the second film messed with the timeline from the first film and then this film messing with that timeline so you end up with something which is like this cra- you need a crazy flowchart to work out what the <laughs> hell's going on and the film is really trying to keep you with it it wants you to understand everything. It wants you to like be able to yeah. understand all these different timelines at once. It's always explaining stuff. It's always explaining it to you, and it doesn't add up to anything. Like that, all that complexity is not in service of it. There's not for any reason, you know. Yeah. It's 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 really weird because you feel like you're supposed to be taking notes to trying to work out what's going on, and you would never design the movie like that from the ground up. You know, you would never build this movie where you're like, <laughs> okay, we'll explain, we'll build an entire world into the first 50 minutes of the film, and then we will tell the audience that none of that is happens, and we'll hint at the possible other world that is the real one, but we won't really explain that. It's like, yeah, what? Absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> absolute nonsense. Yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe it's unfair. It's not unfair to compare it to the first Terminator movies because it invites that comparison. But, like, those movies, uh, there's lots of reasons why they're good, but they've got a very elegant and simple chase movie structure. It's like bad guys trying to kill good people, good people trying to kill bad guy and run away. It's very easy to invest in it. But with this one... It like uh, you're confused from the off, and then like, it kind of resolves one plot line, and has to like literally like start up the plot machine, yeah, which is yeah. like the time machine. Like more plot must happen now, and there's like full of like just these dense dialogue-driven scenes, which don't make any sense and just suck the life out of any like whatever momentum the movie had. And it's also that is um, exacerbated by some really bad casting yeah. and dialogue. I, I actually think that despite the structural like problems, the very basic um, issues with the film from the off, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it had had A, sharper dialogue, and B, like better casting. There, the, the dialogue is incredibly <laughs> bad. It's just so... Cool, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just cliches. Like, it's full of cliches. And then on on the casting issue, like both the principal villain of the film and the main hero of the film are two of the most boring looking people. One of them looks like a kind of bank manager. The other one looks like <laughs> the um, local jock from your local jock team. Yeah, and uh, they are deadly dull. Arnie's the best thing in it. He he, ironically, for the um, humorless, uh, emotionless robot, he has got the most character. Yeah. Of, of any of them, he's great. I think. Yeah, he's, he's really he's just kind of rocking up. He's doing his whole thing, doing the thing he loves to do. You know, like he's not a great actor. I don't wish negative thing. I was acclaimed that, but he's very good at what he does, and he's really good at playing a robot. And I don't mean that like he's like a wooden actor, but like. Uh, you know, he's not just doing a bad performance. He's like, there's something to it. Yeah, and he's he sort of does enough with each of his lines to give it some kind of yeah. fun. You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's he's. And also, I just like him as he's such a sort of weird oddity of cinema. It's like, why is this huge Austrian <laughs> man like the biggest star in the world? Yeah. In the eighties, how the hell did that happen? It's such a weird thing. Uh, but it's kind of great, and you know, it's, the world's richer for it. I kind of enjoyed the bit where old Arnie fights young Arnie. Yeah, that's quite well done. Yeah. They did quite a good recreation of 1984 Arnie. 
More Oni. Actually, the effects are pretty good. Like, there's some um, genuinely impressive effects work in this. There's a bit where like, one of the liquid metal terminators like melts in acid, and it's trying to reform its face, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. It must have taken absolutely weeks for some, someone to do some that. Some nerd is kicking out of the park. Someone is doing an incredible <laughs> job of that. Um, and so that was quite good. There's a couple of just action sequences that well handled. There's one really bad one with helicopters that just looks like a like I have no idea what the hell's going on. It's like a video game. <laughs> it's but, just yeah. Um, but it's just like impossible to get into. I didn't know what the hell was going on. All the characters very poorly cast. So, yeah. But Matt Smith is in it, guys. So, Doctor Who fans. My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends. And the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. So, in the previous Terminator instalment, had a much starrier cast, uh... Christian Bale's John Connor. One of the greatest actors of his generation, right? Yeah, exactly. Jason Clarke, he had, he had to prove himself. You know. Precisely. And at the time of the release, that movie's probably more famous for a leaked onset rant Christian Bale had at a DP after he moved some lights in the middle of a scene and distracted Christian Bale from his yeah. actings. He does not like to be... He's a professional, you know? He doesn't like to be distracted. As he says many times, he is a professional. <laughs> He's a professional. And he, um, DPs hadn't acted like that with him before. And it was a kind of insight into, you know, he's got a bit of a short temper. He's, uh, he's, he's, bubble- nonsense, he's bubbling know? over with artistic genius, isn't he? Let's remind ourselves some of um, the run things. So angry. Kick your fucking ass! I want you off the fucking set, you prick! Sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. Do I want? No. No. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? What don't you fucking understand? You got any fucking idea about Hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene. Give me a fucking answer. What don't you get about it? Furious man. Furious man. Yeah, furious bail. Yeah. But he's still got a lot of recognition. He's got a lot of uh, star power. He gets the punters in. You know, he's Batman, isn't he? (laughs) So they... Originally, they had him down for Terminator Genesis as well, and they brought him on. He did a few days shoot, but unfortunately, <laughs> things kept distracting him, and his behavior on the set just became totally unacceptable, and a bunch more audio clips have leaked um, of what happened with poor Christian Bale, and so... Stamming stuff. We're going to get to hear a bit of um, bit of his reactions. The first thing was, unfortunately, that guy, Bruce, he was back. He was the DP on this as well, and he's not learned his lesson. Oh dear. You! Again! Are you fucking kidding me? Walking into my scene again! Da-da-da-da! Again! I told you we were through professionally! It's still fucking distracting having you walking around! McGee! McGee, you got anything to say about this? Where's McGee? Where, where's McGee? He's gotta be on the set somewhere! I wanna hear his views! Wow. So people were obviously Angry astounded stuff, by that. By hiring that guy, they're just, you know, they're poking this sleeping They're asking for it, right? They're asking He's for famous it. for moving his lights all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
They're just and trying to antagonize him. Yeah, really. so they fired that guy, right? Yeah. So the next day, day two, day two, they wanted to do the scene again, right? They had another game, but unfortunately, there was another distraction. Oh, and then this time, it was the the national rugby team of New Zealand. Oh, oh dear. They were doing a set visit. Didn't go down well. Okay. Oh, this is just great! Oh, this is just great! McGee, I told you to keep an eye on the All Blacks! The hacker is fucking distracting! Do you want me to come over there and do your ancestral Maori wall cry and ruin it, huh? All. You want me to do that? <laughs> I mean. I'm on Team Bale. I mean, he had a point. That is, that's got to be distracting, right? Yeah, that's got to interrupt. That's really got to interrupt the flow of your scene, right? Yeah. Someone's doing it. It's very intimidating as well. Yeah, they're very large, powerful. That's what men. they do it. Yeah, to intimidate the absolutely. Opposite yeah. team. Yeah. Um, so they got rid of them, right? <laughs> the All Blacks were summarily dismissed from the set. Right. Well, they had every reason to believe they were the All Clear for day three. <laughs> <laughs> They were very confident that day three would go smoothly, but unfortunately, <laughs> some... Uh, what happened? <laughs> there were some South African football fans um, who wandered onto the set, and um, they must have been lost in the wilderness for the last five years. <clears throat> and they, they, right. they arrived on the set... And They're shot in Johannesburg, right? So this is... Well, most of the film was shot in Johannesburg. Right, okay. It's got that sort of dusty, um, District 9-like yeah. um, feeling for a lot of the film. Sure. So uh, anyway, I don't, Christian was not best pleased um, when they started. They started blowing the vuvies out, didn't they? Oh God! Who's who is that? Who's playing the plastic horn made famous in the 2010 South Africa FIFA World Cup? Oh, it's fucking distracting. What don't you understand, guys? Come on, you're done professionally, member, which I mean. I'm not playing in your professional horn band anymore. You can take your vuvuzelas and get out. Again, I mean, that does sound distracting. So I think well, probably when was right. There were some complaints at the time that it was distracting the football players. So yeah. it's going to distract Bale, isn't it? He's yeah. a very um, finely you know, spun, like, tightly yeah. wound. He's like a bad shower, you know, one fraction too hot for one fraction too cold. But once you get the perfect measurement, yeah, great shower. Great shower, which is what he's had in, you know some of his previous movies but it wasn't working for this time so on the final day the director basically took the day approach four. that you know one more day and if we can't get the scene this time we just got to replace Bale with Jason Clark. yeah the you know the re- the other Christian Bale really of the sure. acting world sure so everything seemed to be fine um, no one was allowed on the set without a pass so it was like totally cleared the guy was moving the lights he was out of there but unfortunately someone arrived that they absolutely could not refuse to let in who was that Sam? It was the president of the United States, Barack Obama. Oh, my God. I mean, Bale doesn't like him. My only agenda for the next two years is the same as the one I've had since the day I swore an oath on the steps of this Capitol. Who's practicing the State of the Union over there? I've never had a president behave like this. You happy with some of your inspiring lines? Oh, good for you. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But if you're still president tomorrow, I ain't working on the set. You do not get it. I voted for Romney. I'm out. And I commit to every Republican here tonight that I will not only seek out your ideas, I will seek to work with you to make this country stronger. Wow, Republican. Who knew? Well, I don't think he was until that incident. Right. Yeah. 
I think it was my I'm going to vote you know next time I'm, I'm, a, I'm Jeb Bush yeah yeah well I mean what more could you do to keep Bale on set it just seems anything to send him off I think the, I think the, the fact of the matter is that fate conspired to have him uh, yeah exactly have him replaced once really? they got Jason Clark in like Obama was not seen again so <laughs> wow take them out what you will Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Thanks for well. putting up for all that with all that shouting at the end there. Have a lovely weekend and week. Yeah. And happy mid July, listeners. Happy mid July. Uh, what's happening in the near future? Good luck with that. What are we going to do we next can? week? I don't know. <laughs> Magic Mike. Next week will be obviously re- actually. Well, shouldn't Katie review Magic oh, Mike? I'm going to review it. Katie's going to review Magic Mike XXL. Usually the sound of her just going cool, Ooh. Mm. cool. <laughs> mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why not? We'll see. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.